We have been duped by feminism, sexual liberation, and antidepressants. We have been told that we are powerful and free now as women, but we feel tired, wired, and bitter. We're mostly eating right, exercising, and meditating, wrangling to-do lists, and arranging playdates, and yet there's a haunting hollowness beneath the huge complaints. What if I told you that there is a huge storehouse, a reservoir of energy inside of you that has not been tapped, that you could feel light and pulsing, excited and alive in ways that a wellness lifestyle cannot deliver, that you could trust yourself, that the world could feel safe and that unexpected and expected delights could start to illuminate your path. No coach, therapist, doctor, or guru required. Just you learning to get real, present, and attentive with you. I feel like I'm here to matchmake your inner parts for the greatest love affair ever written. I want to help you learn first where you're buying eggs from the hardware store, which is the source of all pain. I want to help you master entering through the upset, which is the only spiritual practice you'll ever need and to get real comfortable putting on your villain crown, which is, in my opinion, the key to true power. And then you'll attune to your inner yes so you can live the life defined by the specific pleasure of who you are. I am so excited to announce my latest book called The Reclaimed Woman, which is available for pre-order now. So if you head to the link in show notes, you can learn more about bonuses, events, and companion offerings. And I cannot wait to see your gorgeous face on the path. I'm Dr. Kelly Brogan. You may know me as a New York Times bestselling author of a book with an exploding pill on the cover, renegade psychiatrist, pole dancer, or honorary member of the Disinformation Dozen. What can I say? I'm a born provocateur. I've spent most of my recent life exposing deceptions, connecting dots, and discovering the secret places my inner victim is still waiting to be liberated. And now I feel called to help you reclaim all of your parts, your health, your sexuality, your power, and your expression so that you can finally truly own yourself. I want to ignite in you that inner knowing and the pulsing vitality that lives beneath your disempowerment, disconnection, and resentment so that you can audaciously, courageously, and playfully alchemize your struggle into the specific pleasure of who you are. This is Reclamation Radio, a Soul Fire production. Hi, and welcome back to Reclamation Radio. I am Dr. Kelly Brogan, and I am here with my friend, soul sister, ally, community facilitator, and VMR partner. I mean, I don't know what else to call you. It's a domestic partnership. Extraordinaire, Jamie Davidson. And we are going to get real about her journey and her experience in the trenches of the transformation of victim consciousness, because she has more experience than anyone I know in this realm and approaches it from a very different energy than I do. And so I've had the pleasure over these many years that we've worked together and collaborated to 
understand the beautiful complementarity that we offer energetically in the engagement of this very archetypal process of individuation. And I'm super excited to be chatting with you, Jamie. Yay, me too. I love this conversation. So I was with my daughters attempting to brainwash them recently, and I was showing them a couple of videos. And then I went onto our outcomes page and there was some specific video I wanted to find. And when we got to the page, we're all looking at the computer and my youngest said, I want to watch that video, Jamie's video. And so we clicked on your video and the three of us watched your testimonial video from, it must've been back in 2016, I'm guessing, right? Something like that. And, you know, in the video, you talk about your experience with sugar and your relationship to self-nurturance and ideas of sickness and stories that you were telling yourself. And it was extraordinary to watch because you are still the same woman on so many levels and in so many ways and energetically you're Jamie, right? And the Jamie that I know today and that I, you know, experience life with and walk this path with is, is it's like Russian dolls. It's like, now you're the outer doll, right? Like, and, and we were somehow seeing this like embryonic version of you that has now like in so many dimensions matured into self-possession and depth and complexity and nuance and like the richness of you. It's almost like I watched you like a chia pet or something like just like grow into more Eunice. And it was really, really fascinating to watch that, that flashback, that throwback as it is to watch my own videos, you know, from five or so years ago. And so I'd love to just start with your story as you would tell it now, because I know that our stories evolve and change as we decide to inhabit like different perspectives around what is happening. So I'd love to just, yeah, start with your story from your vantage point now in 2023. Yeah. Wow. I haven't watched that video since I recorded it. (laughs) It's really challenging for me to go back, right. To, I I think that the emergence from greater states of suffering, right. Toward more freedom. And I remember recording it. I remember I, my children were one and two and I was in (laughs) the room with the baby changing the, the diaper table, like trying to just catch a second in between all of it. And what an epic opportunity for me to do, you know, the program, the vitamin reset program that he did then and catch my narrative then, because, you know, as a mama, that's not something that I want to pass on um, to my children. And also just, you know, stepping into freedom at the soonest opportunity is, is everything. And I am so grateful that for that. So my, I mean, I, you know, my story is so long, but I will. I'll just highlight what I see happened. I I was at 18, I had what you know many called a breakdown, and I experienced now as a cracking open. And it was massive, right? That's not the it's not the sort of standard experience I think that many have with depression, anxiety, and and all the symptoms that can come in. That, you know, and and sometimes they're physical, but for me it was mental health, spiritual, and and it happened fast. And I what I really needed was a shaman. And what I got was a lot of medication and a lot of therapy and a lot of 
A lot of digging into spaces that didn't necessarily set me free and instead, you know, reinforce a narrative that there was something wrong with me and that I had to do these things to be okay. <laughs> right. And so that's what I find so interesting about the world right now is, is that that's quote healing. And yet it was so harmful for me. And so I, I continued with that path for a long time, eventually kind of started to exit it, but I really you know, I was, I was crying all the time. I was what you would call low functioning. And, and there was some part of me that like exited the world and started to see and feel other things, but there was no one to talk to about it. And it was, you know, called crazy or I don't know what's beyond crazy. It's not a functioning human being in society. Like damage, right? Yeah. Damage. Yeah. Well, and I couldn't like keep up, but I also didn't want to right? Because keeping up didn't make sense. And so there's a way that I had to go against myself to keep up. And that creates sickness <laughs> in a person. And I was, I was demonstrating that, right? It's like, I don't want to get out of bed and do the day as it's planned out for me as I'm supposed to. But I, I've never considered that maybe there was a voice inside of me that had a different idea or a different possibility. So, so I continued on and eventually you know, sort of exited the system enough, but still really thought that there was something wrong with me. And that narrative, I mean, that itself, it creates all kinds of disease in one's life. And it did for me, right? I'm trying to escape that all the time. If I'm was fundamentally against myself, and that's how I lived. And that's hard to mother. It's hard to have partnership, make friends. I, I had, I didn't have any friends, right? I couldn't connect with people because I was bad. And, and there was no fix for it. I remember just thinking like, how could it be that I got a bad hand of cards in my life? How can that happen? Right. But that's what I was taught. You have a chemical imbalance and this will be forever and you'll take medication. And then there was this question of like, well, then what parts of me can I trust? If the chemical imbalance comes out in the way I feel and think, mm. what do I trust then? How do I go forward? And it, it essentially cut me off from my own voice. Right. So I would outsource like, well, what do you think about this? And the, the information I would get would be one that wasn't aligned with what was true for me. And that makes me sick <laughs> because I then live a life that isn't my own design based on my own longing and my own homecoming. So, yeah, I mean, I, I lived, I don't know, I think I was, um, it was five years ago. So six, maybe six years ago. So in my thirties, I did vitamin reset and I remember, you know, the, the only reason I did it, it, well, no, there's a couple of reasons. I remember listening to a podcast or something you did where you were talking about lighting a candle and I couldn't, and there was something in me that understood what you were saying. Like, this isn't about not being sick. This is about our homecoming and about living a peaceful, slow, beautiful life for ourselves where we experience pleasure and joy. And something about that I've never heard in a psychiatrist before. And then I, <laughs> I wrote in before I signed up and I was like, I said something like, don't you know, if I don't eat sugar, I feel suicidal. So <laughs> what then, you know, and there was this, I had this understanding that you wouldn't create something that would cause harm, more harm to somebody like me. And so, yeah, I took a leap of faith, you know, in, in the idea that maybe, maybe there's more for me, right. Than this sort of like getting by self-hatred life that I was living. I talk a lot about, and I, I know you've observed this too, that when we are initiated to these different levels of our life experience, there's often like this sacrifice, right? This experience of loss of something that we imagine that we can't 
live without. And I know that for you, one of these, and I, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of, of witnessing your ensuing journey over the years following, you know, this, the VMR experience. So I know there've been many moments where you have let go of, or lost something that you thought would, would kill you. Right. And so have I, and, you know, this is, this is the nature of expansion is understanding that that is the threshold of, you know, stepping into further self-agency and self-authenticity. But I know that for you, the experience of being labeled as a sick person, right? You talk a lot about like what it is to think of yourself as sick, to be a sick person and to, to work under that rubric. And that that is something that you now, right. And, you know, we'll talk about this. You still have struggles. <laughs> I still have struggles, right? It's not like we're in some Pollyannish reality where we're like in tantric ecstasy all day long. Okay. Obviously. However, the experience of yourself as a sick person, I have never, ever seen you even go close to that, right? Like close to that consciousness, right? It's like, once you're done and you walk away from that, it's done. However, there's a loss there, right? There are things that you get out of being a sick person needs that are met that you have to figure out another way to meet and or explore you know the, the vacuum right explore what is left in the wake of that you know destruction of that label so i'd love for you to talk a little bit about like how that transformation of sick consciousness and the experience of yourself as a sick person has evolved yeah i mean it's so wild <laughs> the sick person idea right is so interesting because to call myself a sick person is to be against myself. And, and it's like, I have one responsibility in this lifetime and it's to be on my own team. And that's the team of the divine, of God, of the universe, of love. And if I am against myself, it's like, I'm also against love. And that's the wildness of all of this. And so where did that come from? <laughs> like, where, where did I ever get that I was a sick person? Cause no one's born thinking they're a sick person. And there's something like just fundamentally insane about that, you know, and that's, that's the ultimate work, right. Is to create enough of a foundation where you realize that you can choose who you believe you are. You can choose your own self-relation and your own, it's not even self-talk, right. It's like how you walk in the world. It's like you can choose to bow to yourself or to harm yourself and to call yourself a sick person or any other diagnosis in my opinion is self-harm. So yeah, it's so no part of me. I mean, there, there no, <laughs> there are moments where I things happen and I don't, it's not a narrative that I'm sick, but I'm like the badness comes in, right? And it feels like a cloak of hell. It's the worst. That that experience of being bad, you know, which which is what I called sick, does come in in moments in my journey, but in the, in the bigger picture, I, there's, I'm not sick at all. <laughs> like I, I believe that everything is for me, my body, the symptoms I have, even the quote accidents that I experience, like the universe is on my team because I am of the universe and I'm of the divine. And I used to believe like that, that there was something wrong with my core. And when you believe that you don't trust yourself and from that only sickness is created and you have evidence for it, right? It's like only disease can follow that, but I can't even, I don't know where that changed in me, 
but it's everything. It's like going from being against yourself to being for yourself. We're going from going against the world and God to being for God and the world and love. That's, that's the shift. Right. And yeah. Totally. When I, when I talk about the victim triangle as pertains to allopathic medicine and like this big reveal that the, the villain in that triangle is, is you, right? Like you're the, both the victim recruiting the rescuer as the doctor or the system or whatever, but who you're fighting is, is you when it comes to psychiatry, there is a depth and a nuance there that is absent other specialties, right? So when it's your pancreas, because of your diabetes, you know, it's like, oh, my bad dysfunctional pancreas, you know, when it is a psychiatric diagnosis, as you mentioned, what is fundamentally pathologized is actually just you, <laughs> like the collection of parts that you identify, the collection of defenses, your persona, the units, as you said, you, you can no longer trust any dimension of yourself because you are a pathology, right? So it's like the totality of you is condemned. And somehow, because at some point we pick up this, this idea that we're broken and damaged, it feels also like validating on some level, right? Like when you're first diagnosed, like, oh, right. Like something is wrong with me. Yeah. So like, I, I think the transformation of that consciousness requires a ritual, right? It requires a pattern disruptor. It requires like something to introduce a rupture in the fabric that is otherwise so tightly woven by so many aspects of our culture and society and our upbringing. So I'd love for you to, to talk a bit about like in that landscape of that disruptor, that vital mind reset was like, what made it challenging for you to like move through the process of the 44 days? And maybe you could sort of like, you know, touch on the experience in general and what were the shifts that you saw in the short term? And then the ones that sort of like percolated over time, because I know so much about your lifescape has evolved and shifted now that there is this different bedrock of belief, you know, that, that, I am on my own team. I mean, that's it, right? It's not a zero sum game anymore. Yeah. And I, I want to add to, you know, when, when someone takes on a diagnosis, right. And it's like, oh, you see me, you see how much I'm suffering. There's this belief that there's something on the other side of that. <laughs> and there isn't because you took on a diagnosis that says you're bad, that there's something wrong with you, that the world's unsafe, the world's not for you. Like you're not in the river and nothing good comes out of that. Right. And that's, that's sort of the, and actually more suffering follows. And that's the whole, that's the trap of it. Right. I mean, it, it does feel good, but choosing something that's against you never <laughs> leads to anything good. <laughs> so yeah, vitamin reset. I, I agree. You know, it's a moment of choosing to say no. And when you sign up for vitamin reset, right, you're choosing to say no. And the thing that's interesting about it is it's a program. And one could say, well, we're you're fixing something, but it's not like that. And and you know, we can speak more about that. It's it's a foundation of freedom of choice <laughs> to choose from. So I think when I chose that, there's a way that I was saying to the universe, I don't believe that there's something wrong with me. And let's find out, right? Which is always really scary. <laughs> the leaps of faith are scary because what if it's not true? What if it? What if there is something wrong with me? What if I don't belong or I don't deserve to be well? So, you know, I mean, certainly there 
There's a lot in those 44 days that were really challenging for me in terms of the diet and dealing with the feelings that I didn't want to feel. And still, right, there's still ways that when I really look at the ways that I'm exiting in my life and feel what's here, it's a lot. But there's an alchemy in that offering. It's almost like someone's looking at you saying, you can do this and you can be free. And this isn't true about you and that you've agreed to things that are not in your best interest. So, right, like eat these foods that were designed for your body and do these things to support your own self-calming and discover that you can return home to your core center and support your body to clear out was never for you, right? That you consume for whatever reason to try to exit the state of life that's sometimes horrific, right? In these agreements that we have. So I think, you know, I had a lot of support. My husband did the 44 days with me and there's just no turning back, right? And and you don't, your container doesn't really give a lot of options for like, you know, there's not a lot of like, oopsie or like, it's just, you hold a mirror in that creation that says, no, you're not going to kill yourself, Jamie, if you don't eat sugar. And you don't say that, but I can feel that. And do this for yourself. It's 44 days. You already said yes. So that's that's how I got through. And I think I noticed, I mean, I noticed some significant shifts with just the smoothie and the breakfast, right? It's like, it's like I wasn't nourishing myself on any level. And no wonder I'm spinning in these stories that I have to kind of keep true to keep my life going around, right? It's like all of my diet and self-care supported that for good reason, right? Because when you slow down and the noise calms, the fires go down, you start to see what's not working for you. And that can create some more significant disruption at first, which leads to freedom. Long-term, I mean, you know, once you start to hear your own voice, my life radically changed. <laughs> I we left the States. We went on, I mean, I was just thinking about it today that, you know, before the world changed a few years ago and everything was set on fire, I had this sense that the walls are caving in and we left the States a couple months before in our, our camper for a forever adventure. And I got to be in on land where I could breathe during a really challenging time that, that my sensitivities would, I wouldn't do well in mask land and Yada, yada. So yeah, I mean, I find that, you know, one thing I know is that the inner voice, my inner voice, everyone's inner voice leads to life and creation, right? All the time. And it's like these mini leaps of faith. And without that, it's almost like I'm living in the past or I'm not in life. And so I think that the long-term benefits of this is the connection to that. And it's ultimately choosing life. Like I'm not afraid of my body. I'm not afraid of my longings. I'm not afraid of the circumstances that may seem not good for me at a moment. I know that I'm held and that I'm listening and that I'm following and that that connection's growing every day. So I love how you depicted the no, because it's exactly, you know, how we talk about it and how I see it is like that there comes a time in everybody's life (laughs) where they are presented with an opportunity to deliver like a big fuck no to some dimension of a consented dynamic, even if it was like semi-consciously consented to some dimension of their personality that is, they're no longer interested in sustaining maybe a big relationship, you know, for, for many people who find their way to VMR, it's the big no to the, to the medical system, right. To the whole churn of managing symptoms and assuming the subliminal messaging of the pill bottle that says, you know, something's wrong with you every time you open it. And I like to think of that 
know as the beginning of the initiation of, you know, what I now see as the masculine principle, like within us, right? So this, this attending presence that has finally shown up. <laughs> and I joke, like finally gives enough of a shit to actually care, you know, like what's going on in your life. So that presence and that attention is what it sounds like carried you through the 44 days, like that holding of yourself that says like, you've got this, you're doing this like one foot in front of the other. And that walking our way out of our own patterns also requires that we sit with what comes up. Right. But without that container, what comes up feels we've never learned how to feel it. So it, it, it has the signature from childhood of like the tsunami, right? Like the decimating earthquake, like the, you know, getting swallowed into the center of the earth instead of just a sensation in the body. So I think that this initiatory process delivers us, you use the words like I, I return home, right? Delivers us like home. And I wonder if you could describe for people like in your experience, like what does it, almost everyone we work with and in my practice, almost everyone I ever worked with use the phrase, I finally feel like myself. I finally feel like I've come home. It's, it's this, it's almost like a meme inside our consciousness that we access. Oh, like here, here I am, I'm home. I wonder if you could describe what that's been like for you? Because if you were someone who was like a sugar addict, let's say, and who used this reward system that is very effective, it works, right? It works like any addiction. It works until it doesn't. How is it that you could possibly feel, you know, anything other than deprived living without, you know, these simple pleasures that were sort of like buoying you through your very demanding lifestyle as a mom of like, two little nuggets and really just trying to make your way in the world, you know? So how would you describe this feeling of reclamation, of course, right? Like of coming home to yourself that you've experienced. Yeah. You know, I, when you're talking about this, what comes up for me is when I was in the hospital, you know, in the psych ward, I was doing these little crafts and like, right. And my life was very small in that moment. And the way out was everyone else was going to tell me anybody really anyone with any kind of badge in that place or outside that place was going to tell me and there's no there's no life in that right there's no life for me in that there's no creation the world doesn't get to like hear my song on any level right from that place in that belief system and i think that i feel now like my song is mine and there's no, there aren't rules that there's no, no one can tell me how to sing it. All I know is that I can listen inside to the way that it wants to be sung and what, what that looks like in my life. And I know now that I'm the only one who knows. And I think that's the grand homecoming is I can hear that clearly and I trust it fully <laughs> and therefore I'm free, right? Because there's going to be, there are obstacles and there will be future obstacles, but I also recognize that they are for me and that they are here to teach me to let go, to surrender further, to, you know, they're like, my, they're my own awakening for lack of a better word. And I think that that is what it feels like to come home to myself. And I was on the radical other end of that spectrum, <laughs> right? Like taking five meds and, you know, like, shaking in my hands, asking for what I should do to be okay. 
right? But I'm the one that knows that. And I think that also when you're in agreement with that, of course, medications, of course, all of the ways to numb out because it's excruciating and horrific to be a soul in a body who feels like she's sick and has to ask other people who obviously don't know. You can see it in their eyes. Nobody knows, you know, nobody knows the the potential for fear and suffering, you know, is a lot in this lifetime. And so, yeah, I just, I feel like it's that I stopped looking to them and there's a, a deep peace inside in that, in that world. And it took, it took, you have to get the noise down right? It's almost like, like the fire is almost like literally the inflammation in your life, which is all over. And it, it creates a buffer between you and your agreement to that, which is not for you, which is against you, your agreement to the self-harm, it makes it like possible to live, you know? And when that goes down, then you can start to make some choices. So you have now been on the other side of the aisle for like many years, right? So you ascended into you know, volunteering and then running the community basically and coaching. And now we are about to launch our first coach certification program, but you very quickly rose (laughs) to my awareness as somebody who is uniquely gifted at space holding. And again, in a very different way than I am in a way that I feel is an extraordinary compliment, you know, to, to my energy. And part of it is because you walk in the dark so easily and gracefully and you you feel right like so your feminine principle is and i this is like you know i've i've called them canaries in the coal mine you know f- folks like you who get captured by the system through the polarity lens like it's those you know who don't know how to guard you know they're they're feminine right like you have so much feminine energy and essence that without again, that structured masculine container for yourself, like you're just so vulnerable to violation, self and other, right? Which is really the same in the end. But the way that you have held space for the program participants over the years, and then in private coaching has given you the opportunity to see what kinds of folks are attracted, you know, to this proposition of changing your story in 44 days. And also what are the ingredients of readiness, right? Like what are the ingredients that set people up for success in rewriting their story and in pattern disrupting and in shedding their struggle and orienting towards challenges, adversity, and these kinds of unwanted, uncomfortable experiences in like a totally different way. So I'd love, you know, to talk a little bit about like what you've observed, you know, what do you think are the ingredients for who benefits most from this program and what have you observed are like the ingredients for self-reclamation, right? Cause I've been studying this readiness phenomena for so many years and I really don't have much of a handle on it, you know, because I know that that's so much of what we do is create the conditions for people to engage and work with their own readiness to change and evolve their story. But I wonder what you've observed like on the meta, as far as like the people that have moved through the program, the people that you feel have benefited the most, what are they like? Are they only ever, I mean, I know the answer to this, are they they only ever the really sick people with like 800 diagnoses or like, what about like, 
the woman who just feels like she's living behind a glass wall in an unfulfilling marriage, like snapping at her kids and, you know, who hasn't felt pleasure in her body maybe ever, you know, like who is this for, who benefits the most and what are the ingredients for, you know, successful outcomes, would you say? Yeah. This question is so challenging, right? Because what creates readiness? (laughs) I think that. One of the things, I mean, you can feel in someone when they want to defend their experience of hardship or of something, and they're, it's not just they're defending it, they want to grow it through the defending of it, right? It's like, no, it's like that for me, or no, I have this thing. That's not, that's not readiness. And I don't know why, I don't know why. And I, I, you know, we can all feel places that we defend that are, it's too scary to crack that open. But I think that, you know, one of my, one of my most favorite like spaces to be in is to be able to, to shine back to someone that they do not have depression and they do not have a diagnosis, right. In a really strong way. And I'm sure, I'm sure. And it can be really shocking to someone, but I know the energy when the person's ready to receive that, when they do not want to hold on to that, to keep some kind of structure together, right? It's like, it's like the, the death of the sixth story, the sixth story serves. And so when it's no longer serving, that's when it can crack open, you know? And sometimes I think that creates enough discomfort for somebody. Although I see the world changing and the people that are showing up are different where they, they just almost have beliefs in the the corners of their lives that are not in their benefit, that they also want to transform and say, this is not true for me anymore all things are for me. Everything that comes through me serves in a way. And if I can have a grand curiosity about it, it can find its own alignment and like the knot unravels. Right. So, I mean, you know, we've seen people show up that aren't fully ready, like almost like a, a person buys it for them. (laughs) And it could be really challenging because they, they want to say, I am this Help me with this thing that I'll always have. And that's not the work, right? The the work is to release all of the narratives and say, what, what here is for me? You know, in, in my sense, we, we say this so much in VMR, right? Because it's like, if there's any whisper that is for you, then it is for you. <laughs> Almost like if you're a, a tiny, maybe you're a yes when it comes to this with all things like this, right? With all birth canals. (laughs) Like if you hear a tiny, the tiniest, yes, go through the birth canal and release and surrender like the stuff that you're carrying that you don't want to carry anymore. The tiny, yes. feel. I think that absent this kind of a lifestyle, like self-care initiation, feeling for that tiny, yes, is like virtually impossible because it's a, it's like a somatic phenomenon, right? It's like the tiny, yes, is like a little like a, it's like a flutter in your, you know, your abdomen or something, or maybe it's like a little, like a little tap in your chest or whatever it, however you experience your intuitive impulse and that slow, subtle realigning with your like Eros, right. Your, your vital force energy that you were shamed away from and triangulated against, you know, many, many decades ago as a kid and like feeling for that. Yes. Becomes so much easier when, like you said, you quiet the inflammation of your life and your body, right? Like when you quiet the noise, then, you know, that yes becomes obvious, even when it's met with like a lot of resistance and, you know, what I call like a big pile of no, but that first teeny yes, right? Like that first, like, yeah, this program has something for you, right? Like there's something in the field that this program holds that could afford you a new experience of your own, you know, dimensionality, your own you 
And that self-alignment, I think, is is how we begin to restore that trust that you were saying is so fractured by so many systems. It's not just obviously the psychiatric system. I mean, I have never taken a psychiatric med and I relate to everything that you and so many of the participants say, because it's part of the experience that we have of engaging, you know, the Stockholm syndrome, right? It's like engaging against ourselves with the recruitment of the aggressor and then celebrating the aggressor for saving our lives. (laughs) You know, it's like really quite amazing, you know, like what we've been up to. But I do think that, you know, the phrase that I often use is like feeling right about being wronged, that letting go of that habit, or at least introducing a little bit of like, okay, maybe not. Right. Or like, I'll consider the possibility or like just a little bit of nuance, like into the certainty about how wronged we have been and in what ways means that you don't need to get your safety from that place. Right. There are other ways to send yourself this signal of, of safety. And I know that you've seen like extraordinary transformations in people's lifescapes, you know, when they are ready to, you know, it's almost like the flip, like be wrong about being right, you know, like so certain that, that they, um, they had it themselves figured out in this like very dead end way, you know, like, like you said, like I am the, I am the woman with Lyme disease. Like I am the man with panic attacks. Like I have this insomnia, I've had it forever. Like, you know, this, these outbursts run in my family or like the joint pain, you know, whatever it is, we identify with it, obviously. And there's a part of us that imagines that we need this. We actually need it in order to get, you know, what it is that we don't think there's another way of, of securing. Right. So like, I wonder, you know, in your years of watching people move through this birth canal, because that's actually like what it is, is this metaphysical birth canal. If you can think of like any of the more, I don't know, inspirational, like examples that you've experienced, because we really, we do surprise ourselves. Right. And sometimes in really short order, like in, during the weeks of the program or in the couple of weeks, you know, afterward, and we've received so many testimonials about like what occurs in people's lives afterward that I wonder which ones, like so many of them bring tears to my eyes. Right. And, and my favorite ones are like, you know, the stories about, like, I thought, I would have to take these meds forever. And now I don't take them anymore. (laughs) Like for whatever reason that, you know, just is so flies in the face of the dogma of what I was trained around. But I wonder like, which are the stories that inspire you and like bring tears to your eyes? Like, is it, is it like the moms whose hearts come back online or like, you know, the addiction recovery or the, like, I thought I would be bed bound forever and now I'm not, or like, what are the ones you love the most? One of the ones that comes to mind is a woman. Um, I know she did a testimonial who had back pain that kept her bed bound. Or she had three children and uh, has three children and was handicapped in a way. They were young. I think she was young, you know, early 40s. And who would think that this, you know, because the protocol, there's something very simple about it, right? And it's like we talk about, we talk about the maybe yes. And, and it's so funny because when I'm when I'm in it and and when it gets challenging, it's like, we're just, we're just eating natural food and ancestral diet. That's, you know, it, it's not like it takes all this time and all this stuff. There's something very simple and it's so scary. And it's also like, just to get curious around that. But so, so who would think that this would impact 
back pain, but it does, right? Because what it brings to light is the self-responsibility of how is this serving me and what do I want to shift so that this is no longer my life, right? Where I'm not able to take care of my kids or work or shift, you know, relationship that may not be working for me. And I just witnessed her come to life, get off the bed to get a job and make good money and change her life because she then, she it's like she took the power of her body and went and created what she wanted to create in this life against all odds, because there was nobody rooting for her. You know, she rooted for herself and did the program and, and her, I mean, it's just an incredible, it just was so incredible to witness that. Right. And it, it took time, but she, you know, a lot of the people that come through, they know there's something here for me and I'm staying with this and I'm staying with what's true here until it becomes my way of being. And I think that in general, but what I love also love is the women who have, who self-identify because this hits, hits close to home for me, but identify as depressed and have either been hospitalized or been treated in a way where they were that in their family, they were the depressed sick one, right? And to watch them shift into the creator, the visionary, the artist, it's like the one in front of the ship pointing the way in their family, because that's what they are, right? And in, in because they have not given themselves permission to express that, and that wasn't safe as a child, they contracted that energy when that energy comes out. And so does their art, just to witness the ease in them. And, you know, they become available to their partners and their children and, I love that. I, I mean, it's like it's like dragging around like this ball and chain of the story about yourself and then realizing that you're the one doing it and you can let go. And yes, that can be a scary process, but like you're the only one, <laughs> like no one's going to fix you and there's nothing to fix, right? It's like let the energy forward to create this beautiful world that we all get to enjoy from you. Totally. And all of the energy that is locked up in the inherent shame of wearing that experience of your own brokenness, your own damaged nature, it's liberated, right? And it's liberated in, in these creative ways. And we've seen so many people, you know, move through this process of individuation and personal reclamation to express their gifts, become healers and artists and activists. And just all of this energy gets reassigned, as you were saying, and unlocked. And Obviously, you're a tremendous example of that, right? Like exactly that about yourself, which you imagined was your wrongness, is the same place as I experienced that you speak from to support, inspire, and space hold for others. They're one in the same. Like, you know, the wound is where the light shines through, kind of a thing. And you have alchemized your experience of sickness into self-leadership and meaningful, you know, vocational experience and, you know, really coming into your purpose. And I know that that's also a passion that you have is like bringing people into this experience of, you know, what I reference. I hope I'm not saying this wrong because I, I like recorded it in the last book. Like, I don't even know, but it's this Japanese word, ikigai, right? I think that's how you say it. When I like looked it up, that's what I heard. Anyway, it's I-K-I-G-A-I. And it's this concept that there is almost like this Venn diagram of possibility and potential that we each have for actualization of our creative expression that can be married with prosperity and skill, right? Our gifts, our talents and service. 
and that it is possible for each of us to achieve this level of fulfillment and the experience of translating our struggle into meaningful contribution and support for others. Obviously that's what so many of us are doing these days online. You know, that's, that's a lot of what, how it's like the wounded healer archetype, right? Like it's a lot of how we are holding a handout in the dark to those who are just a few steps behind. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit about like what you see as the potential that people have to move through this process of self-initiation to actually find their purpose, like to find their reason for being and to connect to how that links to their struggle, right? Like to, to cross the bridge from the struggle to, you know, the personal expression. Yeah. It's wild. Right. I mean, it's, I, I remember when everything happened for me at 18 and I like, I now try to access what came in <laughs> because it was so massive and profound and it was called mental illness. And now it's like, Oh, if I could now I, I want as much of that, of those downloads to come in as, as we're there, because, because they're, they're divine. I mean, they're of the light and that that's now my work. Right. And it's so curious. <laughs> it's like, there's some power in that. Right. Because I haven't really purposely not gotten certifications that would like be like, this is a framework for healing because I'm so sensitive to a right way and a wrong way because of my upbringing and my experiences in the system that I don't want that filter, right? I just want it to be me as I am as a mirror and see what, what shows up in, in the in-between spaces. So, but it's so curious, right? Because it's like my quote, mental illness is now my gift and work, <laughs> right? And how does that happen? And I think that, I mean, I just know, I, I know this, that it's, it's almost like, it's like the places that we are sensitive and where we are most open. If energy isn't, if something's not moving through and you're not able to offer and receive from those spaces in you, they will get the sick or diseased on some level. And I, I think that I really know and when I when I work with men and women that those that carry different diagnoses and I don't know, these kind of weights on them of I am bad or I am sick are so brilliant. And it's not, I, I, sometimes I think people think I'm just saying that, like trying to make them feel better. I'm not trying to make them feel better. Like We're not trying to make anyone feel better at all. We're just speaking what's true. And, and it is true, right? It is that it is the, the space of what appears to be a wound that is yours to cultivate the magic that resides in there you know, and it's just, it's just true. And you're the only one that can do it. Cause you're, you're the only one that actually knows the way or, and here's the whisper. So like, I can't say, well, here you're, you have this diagnosis, do art or whatever. It's not like that. Right. You might want to go live on a farm in, I don't know, <laughs> the middle of America. I don't know what your voice says, but what, what I do know is that vitamin reset and this work can, can, can give you an opportunity to hear it and you can be in a field where others have given themselves permission to listen. And then you discover what, what your magic is. And then you look back and it's not just like, oh, I was tricked. It's more like, thank you for giving me the opportunity to claim this. Right. I, that's, that's where you land because I don't, I don't feel I'm not like they said I was mentally ill and I was actually X, Y, Z. It's not like that. It's like, 
Thank you for giving me the grounds to make this choice for myself with courage and with trust and love and, and beauty, right? So. Because you're ready. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not totally sure. When that happened 18, it was like some sometimes there's like a I mean, I guess I could have patched it up and I could have been the sick one. You're right. But that's a not a life I want. Yeah, there's like a special confluence of the the end of that experience of, you know, the suppressed gift and this like geyser, right? It's like, yeah, when you were describing, like, you wish you could access, like what was channeling through you back in the day, the courage that it takes to tap back into that after having been convinced that it's like the source of all of your dangerous instability and unsafety, that readiness somehow comes into, you know, synchronicity with the opting into this program. And I I do agree that like the first, it's almost like when you press like pay or whatever it is, like when you click the button, it begins, you know, it's like preparing for a plant medicine experience, you know, is coming six months up. Like the alchemy is already underway in the months preceding. And I think it begins in this case, because to choose yourself in this radical way, like I said, to just give enough of a shit about yourself to show up and to say, I'm going to commit I'm going to pay attention. You know, I am going to follow this ritual that I am engaging electively. There's something on a deep neurobiological level that gets disrupted, which is that helplessness, that powerlessness, that dependency, that, you know, tell me how to be a better version of my broken self program. And it doesn't mean that that you do this program the way you want to. This is not an intuitive program. Like it's very structured and it's very delimited, right? So it's meant to be, it's meant to be this initiation ritual. And then you move on. Like there's, you know, you offer support to people in the liminal stage afterward, because it can be very vulnerable, you know, as the sands are shifting beneath your feet and because you have so much expertise in navigating that area and arena of one's life. However, the truth is, as you said, it's just continually reconnecting people to their own navigational compass because, you know, there is no prescribed path beyond the portal, right? It's just, it's just the portal. So I love that. And God, I'm so grateful for the experience that we've had. It's really just, it's an extraordinary pleasure to bear witness to this. I imagine the way, you know, a birth keeper on some level just finds, you know, wakes up every day and is like, I have the best job. <laughs> it's just being able to watch this transition and the contrast is, is extraordinary. And to do this with you has been and continues to be amazing. So I would love for you to share with people as we close up, like these days, how do you cope? Right? So if in the old days you had, you know, this experience of yourself as symptomatic, and maybe you would, you know, get help from your doctor or, you know, consult someone in the system or just wait to be told what to do and in learned helplessness. Or maybe once you began to work with like, you know, conventional addictions and, and sugar and all the rest and avoidance tactics, you would cope in that way. Like these days when you have, you experience upset or the unwanted or the uncomfortable, like how is it that you respond? Yeah, it's so interesting. Like I forgot even it's the physical, right? That I don't ever go to the doctor anymore. 
never ever and haven't for years. And it's, it's not even in my field, which is so interesting because I kind of think that those particular challenges stop showing up when you stop feeding them, like that dynamic. So, you know, I think I, I continue to be sort of a non-practice kind of person. <laughs> like there's lots of tools and, and tricks out there. And I have an awareness, like when I when my system is flooded, I can have an awareness of my hand or that there's a parallel reality to the one that I think is the only truth. But I tend to, you know, actually take those kinds of experiences as a sign of where am I like backed up in my life? Where have I not been true? And what is, where's the relief for that? Where do I, what's the ask of my, my alignment, right? Whether that's in the design of my life or in relationships or something like that. And I think that I, I tend to go inward to start to listen and look for the whisper of where I next need to surrender. And I know that there's many, many ways to do that with you know, somatic work and stuff. And and that hasn't really clicked with me. What seems to, what seems to be my way is to listen further for the whisper and to get more clear on how I haven't been listening and how I might be out of alignment. And as you know, I'm a big like life designer and I, I tend to make really big shifts often. Well, that maybe that's not true, but, but I really have this vision for my own life where I, where we slow down, you know, and live in a way that has that's just much more connected to myself to to nature to the flow of life and almost let go of this you know concept that I think we're all brainwashed to believe like if if all these things align I'm gonna be okay right there's like it's like the grand okayness is in the the not okayness and the trust and the the trusting of one's own longing and so I think my my baby steps are always toward further toward that. Mm, I love such music to my ears. And yeah, I mean, I think what you described is the, the awareness of disconnection. It's like almost when we are disempowered, we, we don't have an awareness that we are disconnected, right? It's just sort of like, this is the reality of my struggle. It's the static reality of my struggle. And now, you know, obviously like both of us live a life where like, oh, I'm disconnected. Here's the evidence, right? And I can choose to reconnect, right? Or I can choose to connect in a new way, or I can choose to go deeper. And that dance between the perception of what is misaligned that leads to symptoms or struggle or a sense of like just unfulfillment and the engaged, engaged choices around that sense of disconnection, like that's called being an adult, right? Like that's called like living living your life according to yourself. And that's, you know, that's what we're here for. It's like the mystery, the adventure that unfolds beyond that. And I love, you know, the depiction of the simplicity that you, I, first of all, I've, I've, I have witnessed from the outside in that you have gotten closer to that than pretty much anyone I know. And I know you're, you're still going for gold in the experience of just like inhabiting new lifescapes and trying on new identities. And that plasticity and fluidity is also something that's only available when you feel really comfortable with who you are beyond the artifice of your persona, beyond the, like, here are the things that make me who I am. You know, I'm a New Yorker, I'm a doctor, I'm a, I'm a liberal, I'm a this, you know, whatever it is. And you get to this place where you're just making moment to moment choices and you trust yourself 
to guide yourself, even if it is into wonky, weird places where there are things to clean up or reorganize. And that's everything, you know, because otherwise you're never really safe from the embedded programming that says, you know, now you're too anxious. Now you're too depressed. Now you're too crazy. And you can't handle yourself, right? You don't know how to be yourself. You need help. So I think you, you know, you model that in spades and you also have supported so many people in walking out of that story and into this like, you know, extraordinary, but also very mundane, right? Like empowered reality, which is just like, you know, delighting in the chopping wood, carrying water, you know, of, of the everyday experience. So I love that. I love that. Anything, Jamie, as we close that you would want to make sure that people who are, you know, just sort of feeling that, yes, maybe feeling that like, I wonder, I wonder what is possible for me. If I were to break out of my own box, I wonder what other lanes I could drive down. Like, I wonder what other shades of meanness are available. Like anything that you would want to tell that person, almost like, what would you tell yourself, you know, at 25 or something, you know, from where you are, are now? Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking as you're speaking about like choosing to do binary reset and this sort of narrative of it's like either you're crazy, you are crazy, or you are sick, or you are bad, or there is something unfixable or, and what's the, or, right. Cause I, I see this everywhere. It's like either you're against yourself and you, you fundamentally believe something that is against yourself or, or love or your whole, or it's all possible, or you can experience everything you want in this lifetime. And that's not selfish. And that's not, you know, that's not too big, too much. It's like, what's, there's not really, there's like a fork in the road and there's not really a lot of other choices. Either you believe that you're, there's something wrong or there's something else. And I think that one of the things for me is it's like the unraveling, right? And I, I sometimes joke that I thought like, if I followed, if I followed my heart, if I followed what felt like love or possibility that I would like end up with dreadlocks and like, and, and there's nothing with dreadlocks, but like, you know what I mean? Like I would just like, I don't know, fall off a cliff and become someone that I didn't recognize anymore. And I think that that's what the story of don't do it keeps you in. And it can sound like, you know, I've had people say I've spent so much money on getting better. And it's like, well, that's not what this is. Like (laughs) stop trying to fix it and do something else. Because when you're trying to fix something, you're reinforcing the story that there's something wrong. That's not what this is. This is about your own homecoming. And this is about giving yourself a foundation to choose for yourself. And that can be terrifying, right? Because if you start choosing for yourself, we all know that some your life's going to look a lot different, but you're also going to come out of these symptoms that keep you down, right? Your, your energy will be unlocked and you'll be able to create and, and you have a choice in this life. We all do. And it can be terrifying to like step out of those walls. I don't even know what to call it. Right. But we can feel it. It's like, it's like, what happens to me if I, right. If I choose my own longing. And I just think like you, you get it to choose, but everything toward that <laughs> always, always. Amen. Woman. Amen. Yes. 
It's just so amazing to have walked such different paths in in life and to have come to this place where we speak so much the same language. And it's just almost this emergent truth that we connect through and that we find that like hundreds of other people also like bubble up to the surface and, and meet us right here. It's an amazing part of this journey. And I'm very, very blessed to walk the path with you. Love you, woman. 